0: Thanks so much for listening. really appreciate you being here with us. Uh, My next guest is Donald Rehm, and we're going to be uh, talking about uh, him, and he's a nationally recognized TEDx speaker. He's an author. He's a CEO. He's a former White House correspondent, science advisor to Congress, broadcast reporter, and Washington, D.C. bureau chief. And Don brings a unique science-based approach to his thought leadership on workplace engagement and a CEO of E3 Solutions, where Don and his team provide culture metrics and leadership interventions that increase employee engagement up to 30% year-over-year in client companies, resulting in higher productivity, profitability, and staff retention. And Don's book, Thrive by Design, The Neuroscience That Drives High-Performance Culture, introduces readers to the triggers of exemplary workplace behavior at a neurological level, serves as a how-to guide for leaders at every level of an organization. Uh, that's a lot to talk about. We're going to get Don on the line right now. Don, thanks so much for joining me today. It's a real pleasure to have you
1: on. No, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Uh, it's it's very interesting, the the field of work that you have done and, and that you do, um, especially employee engagement at a time when a lot of employees are working remotely and a lot of owners are wondering, are they engaged? Uh, with that, could you just yeah. uh, maybe fill in the blanks and tell us a little bit more about you and your background and,
1: and what you're helping people to do at E3 Solutions? Sure. I think that um, perhaps the most succinct way to get to it is that, um, there are more than a 1,000 books in print today on leadership, but very few of them are based on science. And my background is in the sciences, as you said in your very generous introduction. Uh, and I started the company E3 Solutions 12 years ago because in my work with organizations as a, as a consultant and advisor, um, I just realized that, the, that all these uh, things that they were trying to do to get employees to perform at a higher level We're very cognitive, we're very ad hoc, and we're very different. They could be different by department and by company. And as I dove into the science about what drives human behavior, um, there were just some really important revelations that jumped out uh, right away. At its essence, we now know, because of the advances of neuroscience and brain imaging technology, we now quite literally know, down to the cellular level in the brain, the conditions where the brain thrives, where it operates at close to its full capacity. And now that we know those conditions, it just struck me as, wow, why not build a workplace culture on those conditions so that employees would thrive when they were getting to work? And that's what, what we've done. And the, the key issue here, and it was a little bit different <clears throat> all the way up through February when labor was so tight, but essentially uh, managers need to learn the capacity to create the conditions where employees look forward to coming to work. And now that's even more important because coming to work might mean going to the kitchen table. Uh, They're more isolated. They're more remote. And what are the specific conditions where they would be engaged in in this specific environment? Now, fortunately, the underlying science is the same. The part of the brain that determines what we do doesn't know whether it's at home or at work. Um, It just knows the conditions that it's in. So our work hasn't uh, – it's not a different science, but it's a slightly different application. But all of these books on on leadership, and over the last two decades, there literally have been thousands of them, all of these books on leadership, and yet the number of employees reporting to be engaged when they get to work hasn't budged. So these books, in effect, have been uh, probably individually inspiring. I know I've been inspired by a few that I've read, but they're not changing the nature of work, and that's the business that leaders need to be in today. Could you elaborate
0: on that? What you mean, what do you mean by changing the nature of the work? I think I have a good idea, but
1: could you elaborate? Sure. And this is something that I talked about in my TEDx talk. And if your listeners want to hear that, they can just go to YouTube and search for Don Ream TED Talk. But for since the beginning of the Industrial Revolution until very recently, um, there were more... People than there were jobs, and this has been one of the the default positions about laborers. There were always more people than there were jobs. So if you were one of the people lucky enough to have a job, um, you did whatever it took to keep it because you if you lost it, it could take you months or longer to get another one. Now what that translated into was an environment where people went to work to secure a paycheck, and because there was a scarcity of jobs relative to labor, they would endure lots of things when they got there. They would work for a toxic manager, someone who was uh, a horrible, top-down, hierarchical, punitive, shame them in front of their peers, yell at them, and they would go to work and they would stay working there, almost uh, irregardless of the conditions that they encountered. In that kind of environment, managers don't have to be very adept at creating the conditions where people work at their best because they came to work regardless. The future of work, and this is one of the things I said in that uh, talk that got so much attention, I said the future of work will be defined more by how it feels than how it pays. And it is the felt experience of being at work that is going to define the jobs of the future. And let me come at that from a slightly different angle. Uh, there is all kinds of uh, uh, material out there now in the leadership genre about culture. And, of course, culture has to be great. But we have a very simple definition of what culture is. And if, if the listener in, their, in your department, in your company, in your team, if you want to know what the true culture is, all you have to do is answer this simple question. And the answer to this question is your true culture. And here it is. What does it feel like to work here? What does it feel like Mm. to work here? Mm -hmm. And the answer to that question is your real culture, because what we now know is that the way people feel determines how they behave, not how they think. Ten years ago, I would have been here saying that the science says you need to impact how they think, and that determines what they do. But now we know something quite different, that the way we feel determines what we do. So never before have managers, leaders, really had to focus on what we call the felt experience of being at work. And that, I believe, will be the leading characteristic of the successful workplaces in the future.
0: Wow, that's very interesting,
1: Don. It's, it's One thing came
0: to mind as you were saying that is that, um, yes, to the worker – what about to the to the people at home that are looking at the paycheck and saying yeah, we need more?
1: Yeah. Well, uh, and this is um, this uh, go go ahead. What what do you mean by that question? Uh, just elaborate. Well, on that I, I, I was
0: kind of referring to the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and the, if your basic needs are taken care of, then then feel, how it feels at work is fine. But if you feel like uh, besides the fact that you you like where you're working, but a lot, of, a lot of people change jobs because of uh, a lure of a bigger paycheck. And employee, yeah. uh, especially executive retention, is is key. I mean, these days it's uh, the, the people that got laid off were generally not the, the best and the brightest. And so retaining those key people is, is very, very key. And a lot of owners are wondering, well, how do I, how do I make my worker act like an owner? Um, and, and yeah, you know,
1: create that engagement level. Yeah, and, and I think what, one of the things you're alluding to is there's, there's a lot going on in the compensation field right now where they, uh, owners, uh, business owners are trying to create compensation schemes to hold on to their people. And, and I'm all for a meritocracy, and, I, and, of course, I want the hardest workers to get the most pay. But when you ask a straightforward question, what's the correlation between salary and benefits and daily behavior? The answer is zero. Uh, There isn't any. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. and that sounds, I mean, that just fills all kinds of people with cognitive dissonance. So then I come back and I ask the question slightly differently to the business owners. I say, if answer this question, if you gave every one of your employees a 20% raise tomorrow, would you see a 20% improvement in their engagement and performance? And to a person they shake their head. No, because they just know that's, that's not true. And that's the problem. They don't correlate. The fact is, the part of the brain that determines our daily behavior has no concept of currency. Now, that doesn't mean that money can't be an influencer. You you can use money to get someone to say yes and come to work for you. And you can use money to keep them there so they don't leave. But my question is, what correlates with their daily behavior? And what good is it to lock someone in if, if they don't want to work at their best and be engaged when they get there? Because ultimately, their impact on customers and clients and colleagues is going to overwhelm uh, the benefits you have by keeping them there we uh, a quick story we have a lot of construction companies as clients because the labor issue is particularly acute for them I'm with a construction yes, company yes. and I'm, and we have a, a boot camp on employee engagement that we do that's the fundamentals of what drives people's behavior and it's targeted at managers so I'm there to do this boot camp in the morning. And the CEO says, Donna, can, can we chat for a minute? Can you come into my office? And I said, well, sure. I've got about 25 minutes. And he said, as we're walking toward his office, he said, I want you to know why you're here today. And I said, well, I'm, I'm doing our boot camp. And he said, no, that's what you're doing. I want you to know why you're doing it. And I said, okay. I was a little confused. Takes me into his office. Uh, goes to a map of the city that we're in. And he points to an intersection. And he says, I'm building one of our marquee projects right here. And I'm nodding. And he said, I have a competitor building a a similar project across the street. And I'm nodding. And he said, you're here because I need to know how do I keep my people from walking across the street for 25 cents an hour more? And then he looked up from the map and he said, because they are. Hmm. Now, the only way to keep someone from walking across the street for 25 cents an hour more is if you have what we refer to as emotional Velcro. Why would someone not walk across the street for 25 cents an hour more? If there is emotional Velcro, they're much less likely to. That is the hooks and loops that hold someone to a company. And that's what we know needs to be created for employees. If there's no emotional Velcro, then they should walk across the street. Now, the the other question you asked is um, about the, uh, I'm leaving because I need to get more money. And certainly some people do that. But, Eighty-five percent of employees who voluntarily terminate state is the pro- one of the primary reasons they left was their relationship with their immediate manager or supervisor. The narrative they use is, yeah, I got more money over there, but that's actually not why they quit. When you do sophisticated exit interviews, money rarely shows up above number six on the list of why they quit. So business owners need to understand what has before been referred to as the soft side, perhaps, of culture and work, but it's not soft anymore because we can actually measure it and we know. So we have a a 28-question survey that every employee in the organization takes so that we know exactly how engaged employees are, where they are in the company. And every manager gets their own data set so we can track engagement by manager and that's key Because 70% of the variance of how engaged an employee is, is directly attributable to their immediate manager or supervisor.
0: That's huge. Wow. That's that's, very interesting. You know, the the question, I think, of the day with um, engaging folks when you have kind of absentee supervision with a lot of people working from home is – are there different metrics to apply now or are there different um strategies to employ to uh, to make people want to do more? I mean everybody knows uh and, and from from where I sit I see people watch the clock, five o'clock happens, they're not here at five oh one. Um and <laughs> and I think what a lot of our, our small business owners, you know, and we're exit exit coach radio here, we talked we're talking to a lot of business owners who are thinking, you know, what I need is somebody who works like I work, um, who really um, puts in a full day and then some, gets the job done, um, keeps the business going. And uh, so, like you said, some of them will put in strategic planning. They'll put in phantom stock. They'll put in ESOP plans. They'll, put in, they'll try a lot of different things to financially reward them, um, and, and then they blow it when it comes to the culture. Um, and in this so i again back to a couple of questions here. one of them is in this day of absentee supervision um are are there certain techniques that that our listeners can use to to make their employees complete more tasks uh, more get more substantial work
1: done without immediate supervision let 's start with that one not not cognitively, not with instruction mm-hmm. no. Uh, because that's that's not what drives behavior so first um we we know that the highest correlate to productivity is engagement that is are people engaged like you said do they do they act like an owner and in our survey determines whether or not they think like that and whether they're going to behave like that and what we know is in the in the most highly engaged cultures that engagement correlates with things for example like accountability like will i do the work um, when no one's watching and these are uh uh, these, are more, these are issues that are run in the relational uh, centers of the brain, in the limbic system, not in the prefrontal cortex. So you, you have to, and this is going to sound may, maybe a little bit odd, but for centuries we've been talking of the prefrontal cortex of the brain, which is the part of the brain we're aware of and where we think and process. But the part mm-hmm. of the brain that determines what we do is actually the limbic system, um, and that's the epicenter of fight, flight, or freeze, and it's also where we process emotion. And this is where behavior originates in us. And so, what we can do are do the things that I talk about, for example, in the book, where you create the conditions where people thrive. And when you create those conditions, productivity goes up, and so does profitability. So, there's, you don't want to approach this just from a cognitive standpoint. What other process? Or, or they do lean, they do Six Sigma. Uh, They do these compensation schemes when, in fact, the part of the brain that's going to be the most responsive isn't really aware of those things and it doesn't really resonate with it. So this is a a new perspective on behavior um, that just isn't in the leadership literature because there's very little science there right now. It's all this is my story. This is my autobiography. I was a successful leader and here's what I did. But it's all anecdotal. Uh, And and leaders at every level now can use science to get more from their employees. Now, I want to say something specific about the conditions we're in with COVID because it also relates to your question. When people are separated, when they're working in isolation, for example, at home and they're remote workers, everything is harder. Um, They have less – they literally have less metabolic capacity. So if someone did something, if someone produced 100 widgets in February with ease – Now that they're at home and in isolation, they can't produce 100 widgets in the same length of time because producing 80 feels like what producing 100 used to feel like. And this is just a part of uh, the metabolic capacity of the brain. The brain has limited energy. And when it's in the middle of a pandemic, social unrest, processing social injustice, um, this literally diverts metabolic capacity from work to those things. Stressors, invisible threat, people are dying. What about my family? Uh, I'm working alone. I can't get the answers I need. All of those things um, are stressors that consume metabolic capacity, which means that employees have less, literally, uh, their IQ goes down, vision implodes, uh, their chances of them forgetting a step on a process goes up. It's just harder. So one of the things, in fact, I just finished a webinar 30 minutes ago on this, um, that Owners and leaders have to understand is that you've got to have a little grace right now on what people can do and are willing to do. Um, And having a little grace right now will be remembered for a long time. The memories made, created in fear can last a lifetime. So the things that leaders have been doing over the last eight weeks and will do over the next eight weeks – may be remembered by their employees for the rest of the employee's life so this is a time for leaders and managers to be more thoughtful and gracious than they've ever been before and that will accrue great equity to them over time if they're only concerned about the productivity um, that could be one of the worst things they focus on right now uh, because you're just going to push you're going to push people and the brain's capacity beyond where they even want to work for you anymore
0: Wow, that is a uh, really wonderful content for our listeners to take uh, take to heart. Um, metabolic capacity, and uh, especially that phrase you just used: uh, "Memories made in fear last a lifetime." That is very yes. powerful stuff and great stuff for our listeners to to take to heart. And I hope that they'll uh, check out. Uh, your website. I know that you have a, a brand new sur- this survey tool that you were mentioning that any business owner or manager can um, can use that provides everything needed to improve engagement for under $500. What's the best way for our listeners to, to find out
1: more about you and E3 Solutions? Is it your website? Yes. If you go to e3solutions.com is the best way. And you're right. We have just We've had so many small business owners come to us and say, Don, uh, we can't afford these big expensive engagement surveys. So we went uh, back to the drawing board, took our same 28 questions that we use for big companies, uh, and we created an, an automated tool that uh, a business owner can go on, launch the tool, deploy it, get the results, and all the support materials they need for $495. We call it the e 3 because it's a one work group survey. They can go to our website and get that. They can email me, Don Ream, at e3solutions.com, and I'd be happy to get them set up with the right team members to to get that work done. Um, They could also go, if if they want to see the webinar more in depth on these COVID resources, they could go to webinar.e3solutions.com, and we do have a recorded version of the webinar there with specific uh, insights and tools and tips to use amidst the pandemic. Now, listeners,
0: don't overthink it. It's e the number three solutions dot It's not. It's not spelled out It's e three solutions dot com. Very, very, uh, very, very valuable information. And of course, uh, uh, get a copy of Don's book, Thrive by Design: The Neuroscience That Drives High Performance Cultures. Uh, I, I just love this conversation. I took about two pages of notes. We didn't have much time today, <laughs> Don, but I hope you'll come back because I think we can go much deeper on these topics, and I really, really appreciate you coming on today.
1: Thank you so much. Uh, it's, it's my pleasure. Thank you, Bill.
0: It's been my pleasure to be your host today. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, look forward to the next time that we speak, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Hey everybody, it's Bill Black, the Exit Coach from the Exit Coach Radio Show. One of the questions I get asked the most is how do I grow the value of my business? I'm so busy working in it, I need to work on it. So we've created a special report for you on 10 tips to grow the value of your business. Just text the word DRIVERS to 44222 to get a special free report right to your inbox. That's DRIVERS to 44222. Text DRIVERS to 44222.
1: Mark.